and we're back welcome to the preacher games podcast the podcast for gamers who make their own toys i'm jefferson j thacker also known as param and i'm joined by kristen sowards also known as lost Sears. and today we have one of the episodes i've been most exciting about someone i've been wanting to talk to since this podcast was a twinkle in the back of my eye Swavik from <laughs> Titan Forge, the art director of Titan Forge and co-founder. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. correct. So excited so, to have you. So <laughs> it's it seems a little bit impossible, but we do have some people joining the podcast who just recently got printers this Christmas and are just now getting into the hobby. Um, but for people who do not know, can you give them the short version of what is Titan Forge and why it's awesome? Yeah, so Titan Forge is like uh, we are a miniature company. We we make miniatures for RPG stuff, uh, wargaming, tabletop wargaming. Uh, we uh, sell them through our Patreon in STL form. You can buy fantasy miniatures from us, science fiction miniatures from us. And we also have like a physical store. So if you don't have a printer, uh, you can buy us buy direct directly from us. And uh, yeah, we make board games also, but we like specialize in miniatures. And Titanforge as a company predates your 3D printing efforts, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first first things that uh, were on our Patreon were uh, the miniatures we like produce for the like uh, physical production. Uh, so the Dragon Empire and uh, Metal Birds were uh, initially uh, kickstarted and uh, sold as a, like a physical product, and then we. Uh, decided when we like get into when we when we wanted to get into like STL printing market, uh, we decided to to make it uh, like in STL form and sell them through like Patreon and, and my mini factory. Awesome. And it is worth noting that we do record these episodes live in front of an audience. So if you are watching this live and have some questions for us or for Swavik, do get those into chat and we will forward them throughout the show. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into gaming? Yeah, so so <laughs> how, how I get into gaming. So uh, I, I'm from Poland. Uh, we are from Szczecin. It's like uh, near Baltic Sea. Uh, near the border with Germany, uh, so on like a corner of the uh, the Poland. And uh, when I was a kid, we 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 found like a, there there was like a one store uh, in our city selling like miniatures and fantasy stuff and board games and stuff like that. And uh, one day, uh, my, me and my friends stumbled upon it, and uh, because I was interested in interested in fantasy i was like lord of the rings fan and stuff like that it was like a it, it was easy to to get into uh, and uh, yeah and first game we bought uh, was like a small uh, packs of miniatures for the for mordheim games workshop game mm -hmm. and yeah and then we played like warhammer fantasy uh then warhammer 40k yeah so it's it's like it started very very like there there is not not like a huge uh like a, a story behind this did you have favorite armies for 40k and fantasy yeah so for uh for fantasy i didn't have an army i i usually played uh, like uh borrowed armies uh, -huh. uh for 40k i played tau with like a really weird set uh, uh, ro roster uh, uh -huh. that was really bad <laughs> and i lost <laughs> all the time but i was like focused and i wanted to like because i played with uh like a uh, stealth suits it's like like a unit that can disappear and, and appear and something like that and it's like good unit but you have to like uh manage it in your rooster and i go all in in stealth suit and i always lose and <laughs> i was really terrible at the game i was yeah, like that with great yeah, nights back in the day yeah and in mordheim i have a lot of like a different factions uh i played lizard men i played dwarves mm -hmm. uh so i also like get like never get like a mainstream faction i always like find some weird different rules from internet <laughs> like uh for dwarf miners and so on and always have to like make them really weird like in Mordheim, you don't really use like armors and all of my guys in my 
warband were armors so yeah i <laughs> i wasn't really really good at this game but i had my fun so and that does kind of show through with a lot of your sets it's like you don't just have an ogre set you have pirate ogres rather yeah. giant crustacean crabs yeah yeah <laughs> you, yeah yeah, a lot. There's a lot of personality and twist. You don't have like generic human army. You actually do have generic human army, but you have the dragon empires where knights mm -hmm. are riding celestial dragons into battle, and the yeah. lore finders, and like a lot of really cool twists and mixes and combines and, and extra flavor dashed on top of the army. Yeah, so so this is like a good thing and bad thing. The uh, other guys on our companies they are pushing me more into like a mainstream stuff because I know that that what people want uh, and I always like div it into like more niche things and yeah I find this really weird combination but yeah but this is like a strong suit of us of our uh, like uh releases but also like pivot also to to the more generic stuff also right. i do like though that you like take a concept and when you blow it out and make it consistent and i think what's one of the things with fantasy in general is when you create those consistent visual images in mm -hmm. even the most like strange you know beast folk or whatever it is you make such a like a consistent presentation so that it's so believable you look at it and like oh yeah that's totally a group of, of things that exist somewhere you know and i think that's great so. yeah so 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 sculpting mi miniatures i like always say i like to like tell a story with a miniature so for example this crab guy he have like a little hostage the hostage is like dressed as a like captain from the from the like pirate ship or something like that so he he probably uh he's he, it is his captive from like like other ship and uh stuff like that so so as i said every every miniature like trying to tell a story with a, with a sculpt and mm -hmm. also like expanding on this trying to tell a story with a set of a miniatures so so within a set you have like different like things that play together for, like for example i did like we did set it was wildwood sanctum mm -hmm. it's like a arturian legendary knights and stuff like that so for example there is a, like a merlin guy like an older older mage guy but mm -hmm. also there is like a younger scribe guy and i thought them is like student and uh, and the master that's the example of trying to like telling a story with 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 miniatures i i really like the loudwood sanctum set specifically because the 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 idea like with this whole druid influence <laughs> on the arthurian legends i printed so much of that i printed that dragon i printed okay i printed everything on this list uh, <laughs> that you've done and it just it's so flavorful it fits on in with the army and yeah i got these really cool knights but then like they have like wood wood textures on their armor and they've got this big mm -hmm. old wolf chest plate and, and just everything mm -hmm. about it just screams like oh yeah this there would be a heavy Celtic influence in Arthurian legend uh, mm -hmm. that, that seems appropriate, and it makes it helps when I show up at the at a table uh, at one of the many games I play with one of your when one of your armies. Like it stands out. It's like it's not what's expected. It's got this extra flavor, and it's I, I very much appreciate that sort of style that you all bring to it. Also, yeah, that, mm -hmm. sorry. One of my favorite Lady of the Lakes ever, by the way, too. Just had to throw that out there. You normally you get like this hand popping out of the water, and that's like it. But this is like boom, she's presenting the sword. She's all like flying out of the water. Love it. So cool. Describe it for our audio listeners. Uh the Lady of the Lake in in the, the set, Wildwood Sanctum set, is floating up with this humongous water effect, and fish mm -hmm. are in the water effect, swirling up into a yeah, giant yeah, crescent yeah. with the sword floating above them. And yeah, so all flared out. Love it. Sorry, go ahead. So the concept was one one of our in-house graphic illustrators made this concept. It is like uh is his because he's like fresh off college, I think. I don't know how high education uh, in uh so he's uh, fresh from the like artist art art school mm -hmm. and it was like a first first uh, I think concept for for us and yeah and it, it was really great and the fishes in the water was my idea so i think like it sells the the effect of the water better and it gives this the dy dynamicity and uh, again telling a story with a miniatures like like first you see the miniature and then you see the details in the miniatures so so i when i like look at the when i was young and playing the the games uh, with uh, games workshop miniatures 
I always loved like uh, small details in them, like like a fish on the like uh, attached to the belt, or the giant had uh, have like a like a whole cow attached to his belt. Mm-hmm. So like small things that 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 as again t- telling the story because because you see the cow and you imagine the the giant walking through the field and he see the cow and he thinks oh this is my like uh, second breakfast and he. Taxis the cow to his belt and going just a snack. Way. Yeah, it's just a snack. And you see this and you, and you and you like your mind telling you are you a story. And the sets we like we make is like for, for war games as I as I mentioned and for RPG games too. The idea was you see the set and you have like an idea for the for the whole like adventure for your for your party. So for example, like like this old city uh, set. You see the different gangs, so you see like a gang of like jester ga- jester people, like a circus themed uh, gang, and you 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 think like okay, my adventurers will be fighting the different gangs in this city, and yeah, that's that's the idea. Yeah, the 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 whole jester gang here was like immediately made me squeal for joy when i saw this set especially like the big one with the hammer and the just the, the masquerade mask is hanging off the side of his head and he's a he's a big old boy that's a big old hammer and you don't usually see clowns that could beat you up that badly <laughs> yeah so, my my favorite thing with it was actually the siege guy like mm-hmm. it, it just did this thing and you're saying started a story in your head and like to me this kind of reminded me of the empire from old War, warhammer fantasy and i actually didn't like that army so i was like when i saw this i was like oh you know maybe i need to unsub or something but I, and i started looking at it and i was like it gave this feeling of like no really in a fantasy empire what would it be like if you know different monsters and stuff were just integrated into the society mm-hmm. and how he's just kind of used as this living siege tower and i was just like yeah that is so cool and I, one of the details I love uh, that appears on a lot of your miniatures is like I can see kind of like little hints that are callbacks to some of your older sets or different sets, like like the shields hanging off the giant. And I like <laughs> the little touch you did where the battering ram isn't just a battering ram. It's a giant metal hog's head that has seen some stuff because it's scratched and dented <laughs> all the heck. Yeah, 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 definitely. So so with the giant, it's like also the uh, we, we like it to we design like a big models. It's important to show the scale of the model. So, so you want to like hang something from that, that your mind is similar with and like a shield or sword uh, on his neck, like sells the idea that he's like a gigantic thing that I think the sells the, the scale the, the most is the guys on the, on the top of the giant on the tower. <laughs> totally, and, totally. And shoulder you, see, you see how, how gigantic is this guy instantly. So it's, it's also important. Yeah. To show this this scale yeah and like one of the people like one of the people on the back of that giant has a ballista ready to go <laughs> <And that's> just, <laughs> of course because giant's not enough battering him nah you might <laughs> stop no 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 we're gonna throw a ballista bolt at you 200 yards away yeah yeah so another idea i had very very early uh when i started to learn like design and making like models and stuff like that i i see it in, in, in like some interview the guy designing the monsters for uh gears of war say mm-hmm. that 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 you always want to go over the top it's easier to to go over the top and then go back than uh, go like very mildly like average not interesting and then trying to make it like uh, more interesting so go like with with ballistas and with giants and stuff like that and and big weapons and flames and everything and then when you see it's too much you can always go back but you it's easier than go go forward yeah those strong scopes really help elevate uh, you know uh, maybe a less skilled painter as well because there's so many big bold details to pick out that even mm-hmm. if they don't really do a great job the minis look pretty good still so i think that's really cool and one of the reasons why i recommend this one to people who are just getting into printing mm-hmm. so you mentioned when you were learning to sculpt can we can you go into that like how did you get into this professionally like what was the path that it took for you to go from Mordheim gamer borrowing fantasy armies to <laughs> i'm wanting one of the biggest 3d printing companies in the world yeah so so if you want to hear a sub story <laughs> i got oh. one for you no okay. no that's, this is not sub story it's like uh 
I, I don't have a lot of money to spend on, on uh, like uh, models uh, when I was young. And the thing I got is like, I, I, I le very early learned to convert stuff uh, from the old sets. And my favorite set, I think it's like, it's Militia for Empire by Games Workshop. Because it's mm -hmm. like a lot of different stuff. And you can like, from this one set, you can make a lot of different like uh, gangs for uh, Mordheim. And mm -hmm. I start converting them into different gangs. I started like converting dwarves to to fit my needs in in, in Mordheim, and then I I that way I started like uh, sculpting because I sculpted initially traditionally by by hand. Then I started like making conversion for other uh, other guys in our club, making models, making conversions. So so like if you want to, a hero for your Warhammer army, I can like make him like a cool cape and uh, flaming effect and stuff like that. Yeah, and th that that's how I learned to sculpt. And then I got like some freelance job for for other companies. And very early on, Romek, who is like the other guy who co-found Titanforge, approached me and said, "How about we try to cast them in resin and sell them in our web store?" And this is how how the company started so were you like originally green stuff sculpting or yeah was that yeah. like okay so kind of to make kit bashes work initially and then you just started sculpting your own stuff entirely okay that's yeah very cool so yeah. so i bought like dentist tools like small <laughs> tools for the dentists and uh, i sculpted in uh, milliput and green stuff so so for example the the first thing we sculpted we we made uh, to our shop uh, was pirate ogres mm -hmm. and the very old sculpts are not 3d are traditional also the vampire orcs we had like a line of the orc orc vampires that was also sculpted by hand and then after like some time i learned to 3d sculpt and and because I'm, it's easier really that right now it's like all the stuff we sculpt, we sculpt. So yeah, the transition, one... sorry, was, was, was from, was it difficult from physical minis to, to doing the digital sculpting? Not really. It... Software I use, I use ZBrush. It's not really easy to, to learn. It's like, it's like very old uh, software. That was very, it, it is very advanced right now, but, uh, but the history of the software is very long. So uh -huh. there is a lot of stuff that that was from the first version and stuff like that. So it wasn't easy to learn, but I very quickly like get that I use the same like techniques, like traditional sculpting and also in 3D sculpting. So I like it was like a trans transition was like one to one, really. Well, could you walk us through the process, like from concept to download and print for a, a recent sculpt that you've done? Yeah, sure. So for me, we, we have like a few sculptors in mm -hmm. Titanforge. I was the one sculptor for many years. And right now we have few sculptors. So most of the concept art is used by, by other sculptors. And I mostly use my own like uh, designs. Uh, so I don't draw. I only sculpt. So everything I try, I try inside of the 3D environment. So first I have like an idea for the model. Then I like make like something uh, I we call blockout. It's like uh, you just mash up some like rough shapes to make like a silhouette. And mm -hmm. silhouette is super important in in three D in sculpting. They're really the this is how how you make like a good model. You start with a really strong silhouette, so you can use like a, this this rough shapes to to make the silhouette uh yeah and you then refine everything i don't know how to explain it you sculpt so when you're doing that process and you come up with your design then do you go and request concept art to match it or do you when does no, the concept so, artist partner with you or you said that you so, do the art direction so, so do you give sometimes them... sometimes i sculpt off uh, concept art uh when i see concept title art i really like or have like right now like I, i'm burned out and i want to sculpt something easy then i just follow the concept art but yeah but but mostly most other sculptors sculpt of concept art and we have like a cool concept artist also very different guys making like a different stuff so my work like day-to-day -day work in titan forge is like connecting preparing the list of the releases mm -hmm. and what inside of the release 
contacting different concept artists that will match what I need in this release. For so, for example, I got guy who makes like uh, awesome monsters, but don't really do great characters. And I have guy who make characters, but not uh, not monsters. So I match uh, the the thing I need with the concept artist. And then I match the concept art I get with the like sculptor because also sculptors. So I have like great uh, sculptors that are best in like different uh, fields. Yeah. And this is like one part of my job. And the second part is sculpting because I also sculpt a lot of miniatures. Right. Well, right. Well, your upcoming set is one we're really pumped about. In fact, my sibling has requested that I reprint their entire Wood Elf Army since they saw the pictures of your set. Mm -hmm. So which one of these was yours or did you do one in this set? Uh, I don't know if... if so... Uh, oh, sorry. I didn't mean... I just no, 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 no. The, 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 one, the one I sculpted in this set was the Three Men. So this one was like uh, from top to bottom uh, my sculpt and uh, the the girl with with the wolf i i sculpted oh, yeah. a lot of this this was like a a lot of sculpts like especially early on right now we have like uh sculptors that are working with us like longer time and i think like we're getting like an understanding where i don't need like a lot of fixes but very early on we have like a different sculptors and I did a lot of like uh, polishing and fixes and so on. So very many uh, like uh, different models. I can say like uh, I did like a 50% of this model. Okay. So for example, this one I, I did like a 30%. So it was a lot of uh, work of our other sculptor and a lot of like uh, polishing for my part. Mm -hmm. And uh, same with the dragon, for example, the dragon... The rider is mine. the The dragon itself is sculpted by other sculptor. Uh, yeah, yeah, so so I did the so I did the like a rider on the dragon and also like polishing on the dragon. Uh, and I did three man myself. Uh, so this is the three man is like hundred percent mine. Mine. Now you mentioned polish, and that's one of the, the the qualities of what I would say is definitively part of the Titan Forge miniatures. Is your minis are super polished? They're very clean, clear, crisp lines. There's there's mm -hmm. not a lot of that muddiness or wobble that you see where a straight edge is supposed to be. Uh, that I see sometimes uh, mm -hmm. on on three D sculpted miniatures. Is like is that like super that cleanliness, that that very crisp details, that's super important. You think to a miniature sculpt? Yeah, yeah. Because I I think that that I have like a privileged position because I was a like traditional sculptor. I seen what works, what don't work in uh, like miniatures. So uh, I have sculptors who never seen like a miniature, never hold the miniature in their hand because they sculpt from like a beginning three D and they don't see like. Uh, what works, don't, what don't work in the like uh, 28 millimeter or 32 millimeter scale. So I think that that this huge thing I, I, I focus on to make details sharp, but also not making what I say unnecessary noise. So the textures, the, the like uh, noise that, 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 that the things that won't print uh, look bad on, on renders and really don't, don't do anything aside like showing that that you did a lot of like i don't know additional work i don't know so so yeah so it's it's important for me but polishing is i would say a lot of work i done as i said mostly in the like uh, early stages of our work was matching up different styles of the sculptors with our style so that was a lot of work so uh, the sculptors mostly have some some kind of style uh, in their head they learned to sculpt models in some way and it wasn't matching really our style of the miniatures so a lot of this was making them the sets consistent. And that's really impressive because, I mean, when I first found out that you had a team of sculptors, I was surprised because the style is just so bang on and unified across your entire range. Yeah, so so I wouldn't be so, so enthusiastic about this. I have uh, my own criticism uh, about my work. Of mm -hmm. course, but yeah, but but we try to yeah. This is this is very important for us to make it like right. consistent. I just sure, uh, and I can tell in Forge Miniature just from looking at it, and and that's uh, that's <laughs> meant to be a compliment because it's very high quality work you all do. Cool, glad glad to hear that. Really, uh, yeah. So so 
I, I don't have really much to say about it. <laughs> I just like I, that they're very like in like a, some people get really fine and fiddly and they're fragile and breakable. Mm-hmm. And these are highly detailed without kind of crossing that, but they're not like chunky and and like yeah. o- overly you know thick. Yeah. So um, so unless they're supposed yeah. to be. <laughs> yeah. So so our like a proportion of our miniatures are a little bit stylized. Stylized. I don't know. Stylized. And, Yep. Yeah, and uh, we have cartoony, and we have like thicker weapons and stuff like that. Small details are exaggerated, and all of this is like for for people who are painting them to to make them the work easier to because because you like you will be playing these miniatures, you will be like uh, looking at it from like a distance. So the silhouette is super important. So you see in instance what what this is, what kind of miniature it is. Yeah, and the details that that are easier to paint and and see in this uh, small scale from the distance. Now, how do you all decide what goes into a monthly set of miniatures? Because it seems like you think a lot about what your customers are going to want want for those miniatures that set. Like, I'm li- like looking at like the Wood Elf set. You've got a ton of different stuff in here, not just miniatures, but like bases and all kinds of other neat mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, so so uh, we we have like talk inside office about every release. We try to we try to cover two uh, grounds: RPG players that play like a D or Pathfinder or other like tabletop RPG games, and war gamers. So uh, we try to like uh, make something for both. And yeah, and uh, it's like. We, we had like survey uh, like a month ago that uh, shows us a lot about our customers. So we try to go in front of the uh, what, what they need. So each of your release sets, you, you tend to have like a few really standout characters that are especially fun over the top ones. Like in the, the, the recent Red Leaf Elf set, you've got a really cool druid that has like leaf wings and that cool dragon with a, someone. And of course, your willow tree person that is awesome. Mm-hmm. Of course, everybody that I show this set to, the, the, the fawn girl ends mm-hmm. up being a favorite for sure. And yeah, the, yeah, and the yeah. wolf. So I can see like this would be perfect for, for some somebody's playing the 5e or or other role-playing games and definitely you know you can definitely see that like playing various different army games this would be great but you go very specific because you all also provide like a ton of bases each time and like this is the first time i've seen you do movement trays it seems like you all think not just hey we're going to make this really cool art but we're going to make sure that people are going to be able to use this that like no matter what game you're playing it seems like i can go into one of your sets i'm playing frostgrave tomorrow or i, I need a D. And it's like you all have thought ahead uh, do you all like mm-hmm. do a lot of research to decide like hey we're gonna need a billion bases and a tree <laughs> yeah so so uh the bases and the terrains are like things that we thought because because when we started patreon uh we need we know we knew that that we have start big we wanted to give a lot of stuff to our patrons uh, and a lot of different stuff so basis was like first thing that we we thought we call uh, addition for the for the patron and as i said we i i played a lot of war games and most uh, of the guys in our company played are are from this like community so very rarely is someone from outside higher most guys in our office are like we knew from playing Warhammer together. So that is covered very easily, the war games. And mm-hmm. for RPG games, I personally didn't uh, play. I, I played a lot of RPGs, but never D&D. I was like a Vampire the Masquerade player and ah. uh, we play some Call of Cthulhu. Cthulhu. And uh, but we have like some guys that are playing D and D also, and when the set comes out, they say when the idea is tossed out, they they uh, tell us what what should be what would be cool for the like a D and D or Pathfinder player to get uh, in this set. Right. But but my my as I said, my idea is like if if to try to make something that will inspire you to make your own rules for this model, because like. RPGs are designed for you to to make your own like uh, ideas and rules and stuff like that. So if I make like a super cool model that isn't like a covered one to one in some like a book, 
D&D book. I think it's it's cool to 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 inspire someone to to make your own like uh, adventure or rules for this for this kind of model just because it's so cool. I have to use yeah. it. So this that's, is my dream. <laughs> yeah, that is like that's my favorite thing when I discover a a, a model th uh, to 3D print and that's why I love that you you do things like this because when I see a model and I'm like I don't know what I'm going to use that for yet. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to go out of my way to find a reason and make some stats or shove this in the corner of some war game somewhere to have an excuse to print the frost giant riding on the or the ogres riding on a crab holding a cannon or whatever like that stuff looks amazing and you all keep putting out uh, like i have no currently no need for butterfly wing druid lady <laughs> i will find a reason because i need that miniature in my life yeah yeah sure so so that that's my dream i i as i said i i always like uh played like a different weird stuff yeah and i i try to like uh, make rules for for my stuff just just because mm -hmm. i love miniatures and and that's that's what inspired me and i would like to inspire someone else to to make something you are definitely succeeding i definitely i love weird stuff and i had to like when i um param knows i've been talking i have these nine different undead armies in my in my world setting and it's like oh your death knight set came out <sighs> let's just take that and that will be assigned to this one because <laughs> it was so cool <laughs> So we've mostly been talking about your fantasy releases, but you all also have an entire sci-fi wing. So you started off with fantasy and tell us about, about that decision to branch out into sci-fi and where you thought your niche would be in that set, in that space. Yeah. So, so initially we thought the Titan Forge uh, miniatures Patreon will be like stuff we like, just like today we like f fantasy. We make fantasy miniatures. Tomorrow we will make something for cyberpunk games, something like that. Uh, and we did like a one month when we like make made cyberpunk, and it was really badly. People didn't like it really much. But like fifty percent thought it was horrible decision, and fifty percent thought it was like a fantastic decision. So because we have like some yeah like some other miniatures in the in the vault. We released the 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 second part of this month with the like uh, I think it was Amazon's model I, models I think so the fantasy people were uh, like happy with this and I then remember we, when that I, happened I was super happy because I got twice as many models yeah yeah sure <laughs> so why not yeah so this was like a decision we 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 made because of the like little bit of backlash we get from like uh, changing the direction uh, of our Patreon yeah but but that gives us the idea that there is a lot of people that need science fiction cyberpunk miniatures so we we launched another Patreon Cyberforge and uh, this one I was like uh, involved very much early on and uh, right now i am really not not really that much involved i uh, like the the person responsible is is michal he's the guy who is preparing the releases and do what i do for the fantasy in cyberforge at the end of the month i get like pack of the models from him i check them if there are uh, enough quality for me uh, but but this is my all my involvement so so i have a, a lot of less involvement in cyberforge than titan fortune so does it feel a little bit weird that like this company you founded is like expanded and so there's an entire other wing that you're just barely <laughs> touching yeah it's like it's 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 cool i think because we all like we everyone is involved in everything really in our it's small office it's like really 20 guys plus with the production we have so it's not not a lot of people uh we knew each other we we bump uh, on the corridors so even if i feel like it's like a different wing really we really small group and we yeah you mentioned earlier you like when people come up with rules you all must have really liked it a lot because you were one of the first people to move into making your own game for your miniatures mm -hmm. like you've got blood fields which you all 
thankfully gave me a box of when I saw you all in person. So thank you for that. The idea for Bloodfields uh, for the for the game for our miniatures was like way before the 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 Patreon. And yeah, and we really didn't know how to how to do it because we we make made some board games also. Uh, we kickstarted like three, four board games, something like that. And but but uh, as I said, all of us are from like wargaming background. And mm -hmm. Romek is was top player in like a Europe scene for Warhammer 40k. So like a pro player mm -hmm. uh, in this scene. And he he was always uh, thinking about making some uh, war game using our miniatures. So when we started uh, our pa 3D Patreon, there was, yeah, of course, we have to make the game. <laughs> yeah, so the first Bloodfields. So, so we make like a first edition of Bloodfields and uh, our this... first campaign, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and the idea was to make like monthly releases with the rules. So for, for a while on our uh, Patreon, uh, you get the miniatures and always you get the rules for new faction for, the, for these miniatures. And it was cool idea, but really it was like a, a lot of a lot of stuff uh, like connected with playtesting and making rules and stuff like that. Uh, and Romek was really set on to make it like a competitive game, not only like something you play with your friend and that's it. But all but so the rules were like balanced and you can you can play it in like a competitive scene also and it was really really hard to make uh, with like a monthly re releases and that's why we make like a second second campaign where we polished all the rules and also like remade the rules for the the warbands that were made like not not uh, on the level where we expect them to be so uh, we we have some more time to to make uh, better rules for the old old warbands and make some as far as i can tell you did a really great job because i got to play bloodfields at pax unplugged this year with with your team uh, demoed mm -hmm. it for me and it was really tight and fun and balanced and fast and polished yeah. and like yeah every bit deserved a, a slot on the shelf next to any other game as far as i'm concerned so yeah yeah I think you're yeah. doing a great job with it it's it's like th that that that's the game i really like from 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 our studio so we have different uh, like board games and, and different ideas for the games and this is the one that that i'm super really proud of the rule set and stuff like that and it's really fun small game for people who don't have a lot of time to to play the the games and yeah right. a, a lot of different elements that 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 makes them it's it's cool game yeah and it's it's kind of fun too because like a lot of the pieces you have like 3d printable files for like all the tokens and the objective sets and it's mm -hmm. interesting that like if you were to go and get the bloodfield stuff like today uh, the digital versions you could literally have your printer print out an entire board game worth of material and mm -hmm. and, and get to going and it would look better than most board games you could go buy at the store when you were done mm -hmm. with it if you after you got done yeah so that was the idea to to like uh, so the rules on internet, so you don't have to buy like anything physical. Only you have to have like a table and and a ruler and three D printer and and phone or tablet and that's it. And you can play the game. That that was the idea for it. I do like the little card format. If you are gonna print them out, though, the little card format is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. The the physical stuff is always awesome, and we have like printed uh, version of the cards in uh, in studio. But yeah, but the idea is that you can have it, you can print it yourself. Entry level is very uh, small. If you have a three D printer, you can easily buy a cheap cheap work warband or two and get get started. And we had like a physical stuff also. So what you were holding starter box starter set box a starter box <laughs> and uh, it was i don't remember how much was it uh, on packs but it was really cheap and there you have like a uh, two two factions and uh, tokens and stuff like that and you can just start playing because as i said it's like uh, the the main idea was easy to enter that that was our main idea so small table short games a small amount of miniatures easy rules 
and that's it. Yeah, and it was a little bit of a trip seeing miniatures that I have 3D printed as cast pieces inside the box. I was like, oh, the mold, my, my little layer lines, no matter how zoom in I get <laughs> with my, my, my magnifier, I can't see them because they're, oh, they don't exist. So how does this, how does this exist? Like, was yeah. this ever a 3D print and then turned yeah, into yeah. something? That that was 3D printed. It was like uh, if you if you see like a uh, original model, you uh, you can 3D print. It's different than this one. This one is prepared for cast injection resin. So we have like a technology. It's it's uh, name is like CoCast. It's injection injected resin. So yeah. So so the sculpt have to be a little bit different because of the the process and yeah it was 3d printed have few 3d printers in-house in our studio we have i don't i don't remember the names sorry but we have like a like a standard i think anycubic mono x i think printers for if you buy from our store we have like very good resin very uh, well adjusted printers so our prints are high-end and we also have like a high-end uh, printer where we print our prototypes for CO casting and stuff like that. Okay, I didn't realize the sculpts had to be slightly changed for so things like undercuts that just couldn't be molded very easily, right? Yeah, so it, there is a lot of different rules for making models for plastic injection, resin casting, resin injection. And this is what you have to learn when you want to like prepare models for production. Fortunately, I can be lazy. I have mm -hmm. guys who think uh, think for me, and <laughs> they know all the rules. And I have like <laughs> a guy to tell, is it okay? No, okay, okay. I will change it and and stuff like that. So uh, I can be lazy, but if you want to like make uh, models for uh, production, you have to learn. Does it ever get annoy you? Like I really wanted it to be like this, but yeah. I have to change it because of yeah, this so, thing. So one thing that was like absolutely mind-blowing and thing that was like incredible for me 3d in 3d printing you don't really have rules you can sculpt everything really you can sculpt for example the uh, the uh, fairy we have in this uh, release have like a ho hollowed uh, like uh, the wings are not like a one piece they yeah. are like a small holes inside so uh, yeah so this for example different kind of yeah, so so no rules for 3D printing. You can print basically everything. And for cast uh, resin casting, there was a lot of rules. And yeah, I I hate sticking to the rules and making uh, stuff for production. And uh, Romek hate hate me for it because I always trying to break uh, or bend the rules, and he always <laughs> have to like remind me, no, this is this won't produce. You have to change it. Yeah, and this back and forth. So this was really a lot of freedom in, in, in sculpting for 3D printing. I'm looking now at the tree men that you were talking about mm -hmm. earlier. And it's a it's based is this based off of a willow tree? Is that accurate or is it yeah, a, yeah, yeah. that was that was the idea. Mm -hmm. And these got these long strands of leaves just hanging off of like a shell around it, and you can see like the individual leaf stems and the and the little tiny yeah, yeah. things linking. That would never that would never uh, mold, would it? No, no, it would have to be like in 13 uh, like pieces. So okay. if if I would bring it uh, to Romek like two years ago, he would he would laugh at me. And now I can do it. So it's really cool. And nice. most of the models we produce right now are like 3D printed. So we we rarely now cast something from resin. We use CO cast. And we use uh, 3D print. So even if I uh, ordered something new from your website, occasionally I'll get a 3D print from your good printer or something? Yeah, probably. So so you will get 3D print from the basic printer that mm -hmm. is adjusted that well that, that you don't know it's, it's basic <laughs> printer, really. Because we use like a very high-end resin. Mm -hmm. And as I said, we have thermal control in room, uh, like ventilation. Everything is set like to be the, the best quality you can get from from this kind of printer. One of the other things you all have that I appreciate is uh, your support, not just your customer support, but your support supports. They mm -hmm. work. And yeah. when I was having trouble 
getting some of your early vampires to print. Uh, those, those, if you remember the vampire set, there were those bats with those big long spoons. I was having mm-hmm. such a trouble with that. <laughs> I just popped into your Discord and, and went to your support section, and they like held my hand and walked me through learning about exposure calibrations and and tests. And like by the time it was done, I had known. I just just working with your teams. I knew mm-hmm. so much about 3D printing that I, I that now I'm the one that my friends go to. It's like, help me learn the support. So I'm like, okay, first we have to get the Enmer Labs town calibration. <laughs> and we will yeah, get through so, this. so we try to we try to help patrons uh, to mm-hmm. print our models, uh, but really the the most of uh, the work I think the com- doing the is the community really. Uh, the first guy that will respond to you it's probably one of our patrons that that had the same problem. <laughs> So we can try to be helpful, but really there's only few of us uh, in the office. So I'm insanely grateful for everyone who is helping us to 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 help you to get uh, our stuff printed on your printer. Yeah. So so I think we have a great guy who is preparing the support. Uh, we print uh, every like release uh, at least once to check the. Uh, the support so we try to to deliver good product but as i said at the end of its calibration of your printer it's different resins stuff like that everyone have a different problem and you can always like jump to our discord and get like good advice about it how to make it yeah this is still a hobby uh like right now yeah. this isn't it's isn't like going down to your your local big box store and just picking up a printer and, and throwing the toner cartridge in and then complaining when it messes your mini up but yeah, what do you yeah. think about the state of the 3d printing like technology and community mm-hmm. right now like this is an exciting time for us i think yeah so so i don't think that that the the 3d printing will ever like uh be like plug and play uh stuff maybe it will be eventually but when i don't know it it will be like uh, for for next like 10 years it still will be like adding resin and stuff like that and uh, maybe maybe very much better streamlined than now uh, but still not everyone will have like a 3d printer in their house yeah but it is growing a lot like Man, the the first printer we get for company was we we can bu- bu- buy a car or for company or is a printer. It was like oh, no. a it was like a printer that was like designed for the jewelry jewelry makers. Mm-hmm. So it was printing uh, with the wax and it was so expensive, absol- absolutely expensive. And the material was expensive, and the part that breaks, uh, the 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 changes of the parts was uh, like no no one could afford it ever, uh, like a hobbyist. And now you can like get like for three hundred dollars the printer that that prints the same quality as the printer that that I was talking about. So. And it was like, a, I don't know, seven years ago, maybe five years ago. So the, mm-hmm. the jump was incredible. Right now, the uh, the, 3D, the the home 3D printers are really, really great. So the, the I think the next step is to like streamline the process of like adding resin and uh, cleaning everything up and the mess that you have like after and before uh, 3D printing. And if they can, uh, can like make uh, some technology that can medicate it, I think it will grow even more, but still, I don't believe that every household will have like 3D printer. It's not like cleaning your clothes. It's still like hobby. Yeah, I think that when I see some of the advances coming down the pipe, I, uh, over on Adam Savage's tested, they were showing off a printer whose big innovation was the printing tray is considered disposable and it has the fep i'm like i never have to change an fep again how much is that printer i'll spend it to stop <laughs> having to change my fep <laughs> yeah the, the one thing i i was like uh, impressed the guys uh, in fdm printer community the the plastic uh, one yeah mm-hmm. they i don't i don't know what, what, what they are thinking it's like they are printing miniatures now and they are looking like from resin printers the oh, most, gosh. Yeah. it's like it's like uh running with with marathon with with your an- ankles like uh, attached to each other so uh, but yeah they are doing it so maybe fdm printing uh, miniatures 
uh, soon on the horizon. Friends with a lot of people that have been doing that. And like in looking at like Tom Tolis's newest video where he's showing off the Ender 2 and he's tuned that thing to where it can basically <laughs> dance on a dime. And like, yeah, yeah. I'm super impressed. Y'all, y'all are awesome if you're FDM printing that quality miniatures. I'll never do it. I do not have yeah. the time to tune that tight, but oh my gosh, no. Yeah, it's like starting the race in Formula One and uh, I will I will uh, ride in my like Toyota. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you cannot like change my mind. I will ride my Toyota in Formula yeah. uh, One uh, race. <laughs> and then they beat me in the Toyota. Uh, yeah. I'm like, what the heck? At the end. <laughs> yeah they are crazy uh, all right so it looks like we are coming up on time so thank you so much for joining us again before we bounce out of here do you have any shout outs you want to give yeah so so if you are yeah so so first of all uh if you are a patron of titan forge thank you very much i do what i love because of you and i make romek angry with my designs because of you so so thank you very much. And I work with cool people. So shout out to, to my concept artists and sculptors because I because they are better than me in my job. <laughs> so so yeah, so thank you, thank thanks for all of you. And yeah, and uh, the thing I would have to plug, I think, it's uh, Lobotomy. It's our board game that we are kickstarting right now, not kickstarting. Uh, uh, we are crowdfunding it on a game fund. Mm -hmm. uh, so it will be active in like a month. It's a very cool game. I made some miniatures for it. And and our Patreon that you can join is Titanforge uh, Miniatures, Cyberforge. And yeah, this is this is the, the lobotomy we right. So if somebody wants so if one of our listeners didn't know about Titanforge and wanted to to pledge up, what do they do? Uh yeah, so find uh, Titanforge miniatures on Patreon. Uh, you mean on the, the Patreon or the Patreon or tribes or, or whatever? You yeah, know. yeah. So so you can find us on Patreon. It's Titanforge Miniatures or Cyberforge for science fiction stuff. And we also have uh, like a tribes uh, account on My Mini Factory. If you want to buy our models, uh, it's also on My Mini Factory. We ho also have like a physical store. Uh, it's Titanforge.com. And yeah, check our stuff. And do you have social where people can follow you and your work? Uh, not really. Uh, if you if you want to follow my work, follow the Titanforge Instagram or or uh, our Facebook page. I have a account on ArtStation, but it's really <laughs> I I don't I don't use Twitter. Uh, I rarely use Facebook. I, I'm not a fan of uh, social media. Oh, if I could only get away from Kristen, <laughs> anything to shout out? I don't know. I think we've, we've covered it all this week. Well, I do want to shout out one quick thing. Uh, I'm on a new podcast over uh, called Upshift, which is all about the Essence 20 Renegade RPG, uh, which features Power Rangers, G.I. Joe, and Transformers, all things I'm huge fans of, with Ryan Costello, my old co-host from uh, No Direction, the Pathfinder show. So if you want to listen to even more of me geek out about random stuff, especially spandex-clad superheroes, you can go just follow me over on the Upshift podcast over at NoDirectionPodcast.com. But if you want to follow more about what we're doing here and the awesomeness that is 3D printing for the gaming community and the, all the news and awesomeness that you can find with a bunch of resin or a roll of filament, you can find that over at Printer Games Podcast. No, PrintYourGames.com, which is the Printer Games Podcast. And you can also find us on YouTube at YouTube.com. And you can also find us on Twitter, the socials, the Facebooks, everything around. If you want to email us, you can do so at podcast at printyourgames.com and until next time we'll see you again i'm jefferson j thacker also known as parent i'm chris and Sowards, also known as last fears and thank you again so much for joining us we'll see you next time get a screen protector <laughs>